Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for being here for another week. Just a note that you will see that throughout the month of December, my episodes for you are going to be a little bit shorter than usual. They're going to be around the 18 to 20 minute mark. I hope that that means that you can listen to these in an abridged part of your day, Um, especially, you know, I think of December and I think it's just a crazy month for work and everything. So I'm hoping that making these abridged will save me a little bit of time, save you a little bit of time, and then come January, we will be all the way back to normal. So thank you for being here. Enjoy this episode. I hope that you enjoyed last week's conversation on how to effectively manage up. I did receive some messages from those of you who listened and took away some important information that it was helpful and that, you know, you're going through something that uh, enables you to kind of use some of those skill sets that we talked about. So if you haven't yet listened, make sure that you put that on your to-do list. You don't have to do it right now, but something to think about, go back to that episode. For today, we are going to talk about recording laws. And I thought it would be helpful to talk about that because I get questions about having witnesses in conversations. And in general, I have definitely experienced in my career people saying that they've recorded conversations or insinuating that they've recorded conversations. And it's really important that you or your friends or your loved ones know that there are laws against this in some states, specifically in the U.S., If you are in a place outside of the U.S., your policies and laws might look a little bit different. Um, But again, just remember, I'm not a legal um, entity. I'm not an attorney. So you should always consult an attorney for any legal information or advice. But I do want to just preface by saying that you can't just decide that you want to record someone, um, especially if you're, you know, you're not receiving consent from the other person. Obviously, that has a lot to do with this. So before you jump to conclusions, we'll, we'll get into it. But I do want to just be really clear that there are state by state laws that can change whether or not you can record someone without their consent. As a reminder, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're consuming this podcast. Share it with a friend. If you know someone that's recorded a conversation, this might be the episode that you send to them. If you know someone who's thinking of recording a conversation, this too might be the episode that you want to send to them. So without further ado, let's jump into it. I should mention that company policies might be specific around this as well. So let's say you live in a state within the United States that has a one-party consent rule, which we will break down what that means. Um, if the company policy it ha- prohibits, let's say, recording, then it doesn't matter what the state says, you could be acting against company policy um, if you are recording. So just because the state allows one thing or doesn't allow another doesn't mean that your company then doesn't supersede that. Your company policy will um, take precedent immediately, you know, if something happens, like let's say you're you're caught or identified as doing something against company policy, even if a state allows it, 
that company policy will trump the other. So keep that in mind. Let's break down some of these terms here. One-party consent. This, and you all know if you've been here for one week or 17 weeks, or almost, or 52 weeks, more than 52 weeks at this point, um, that I will always put the links in the show notes to where I get my information. So this source is a legal website. Um, so I will add the source in the show notes if you want to check it out. So one party consent is if the consent of one party is required, you can record a conversation if you are a party to the conversation. So let's say I, Tracy, am person number one, and Susie Q is person number two. I could be, if I am in that conversation, considered a single party. So I can consent to recording that conversation because I am part of that party and that's the only consent that is needed to legally record. So this passage goes on to say, if you're not a party to the conversation, you can record a conversation or phone call provided that one party consents to it after having full knowledge and notice that the conversation will be recorded. So let's say, for example, that there are three people in a conversation and, or two people in a conversation and there's a third person who is sitting out but has the opportunity to record, maybe they're a witness, they can get consent from one of the individuals in that group and that would constitute one-party consent. So there is a federal statute on this in the U.S. There are also 38 states and Washington, D.C. that have adopted this requirement, and Nevada technically also has a one-party consent law, but the Supreme Court has interpreted it differently to actually be an all-party consent law. So that seems a bit like an exception. We'll break this down. Um, But good to know that the majority of states have this one-party consent. But that means that if you are not part of this 38 states or Washington, D.C., that you could potentially be a part of this all-party consent requirement. So there are 11 states that require the consent of every individual involved in a conversation or phone call before the conversation can be recorded. Those states are California, Delaware, Florida, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, Montana, Nevada, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and Washington State. So if you heard your state, that means you cannot legally record unless every person in the conversation has agreed and consented to the conversation. So Sometimes these laws are referred to as two-party consent laws, but really it's not just two-party, it's all-party, meaning if you have a conversation of four people or 15 people, all of those individuals need to consent. So all of this, you know, goes on to explain that, like, uh, what consent means. And I think it's important, is whether you're in HR or you want to get into HR, to understand that this w- this is something that comes up. People want to record things. They think it helps have proof or quote-unquote receipts, as the kids say, you know. And while that might have truth and validity to it, it's a lot safer and a lot better to just ask for an email kind of summarizing what was discussed depending on who is in the conversation. Like if an employee says, I want to record this conversation, and a manager is like, well, I don't consent to that, and it's an all-party consent state, then I would say as the employer or the manager that they would say or they should say, I will send you a summary of this conversation following and if you don't agree or you, you know, have an issue with any of the points based on what we discussed, you let me know. Or 
An even better option is to have a witness sitting in on a conversation. Witnesses help tremendously when it comes to clearing up confusion, validating what happened as a neutral neutral party and neutral stakeholder, and witnesses also mitigate that opportunity for this didn't happen or that didn't happen, this happened, this happened. You know, it, it um, mitigates the he said, she said, so to speak. So when we think about these different elements of, um, you know, consent and one party versus all party um, statutes, I think HR people really need to recognize that these recording entities or, you know, recording conversations, whenever that comes into play, my advice is to actually say to the person, listen, like, this is an environment that we want to ensure is positive and professional and family oriented, whatever the culture of your environment is, because recording negates that, right? Like imagine you're sitting in on a conversation, the conversation goes great, and then you find out that the person recorded it. Like it just kind of feels icky, right? It doesn't feel so great. It feels like the other person's trying to catch you in something. It just has a negative connotation. So sometimes what I will do when someone's like, I want to record this or I have a recording is I take the opportunity to say, well, because of the state you're in, that's actually not allowed or because of the company policy you're not allowed or maybe it is allowed in their state and I don't say anything about that. But I always say, listen, you should understand that when you record someone, you take the ex- the environment and the the feeling in that conversation to a different level. Now that conversation is 10 times as serious. You're telling the person that you don't trust them. There are all these other things that come into play when you are recording someone and it just doesn't send the best message. Um, So I would say, and I'm sure that many of you have come in contact with this idea before that people feel like this is, you know, what gives them a bit of security and stability knowing that they have that quote-unquote evidence. But again, resorting to the written form of record keeping and having witnesses is the best way to navigate this. So if you're dealing with or you have an employee who, you know, is feeling very, um, you know, nervous about going into a conversation um, and maybe maybe they've mentioned recording in the past or maybe they haven't, but you just want to make them feel a little bit more safe, a little bit more secure, leverage a witness. Find someone who is going to be able to be a neutral party. And actually, while we're on this topic, I think it's important to be candid and transparent about this one fact. If you are a male um, and you are speaking with a female employee, let's say you're the the person in the manager role, you're a male speaking to a female employee, I would always encourage you to bring in a witness if you're going to have any kind of performance management conversation or termination, bring in a witness of uh, the same sex as the employee. Um, obviously, this is assuming that these are heteronormative you know, standards of, of sex, but I say this because when you are in a situation where you are managing someone of a different sex, there can be complicated situations that come out of that and in order to absolve yourself of any potential risk I think having a witness of the same sex is the best way to go Um, and that goes same goes for a female manager and a male employee Um, 
And I say this because it's not only protection for you, but it's also protection for the employee. It'll make the employee feel safer. It'll make sure that you are uh, mitigating future risk. And although not every conversation requires a witness or requires a witness of the same sex as the employee, I do think it is a good strategy for mitigating risk, especially if you are speaking with an employee that has a track record of, you know, maybe becoming hostile or creating dangerous situations. I mean, that definitely happens in this field. So just proceed with, you know, a thoughtful approach and really think through every potential, um, you know, outcome. And again, it's not to say that we should assume the worst, but it is to say that we should always go into conversations, you know, being prepared for any potential outcome. I know for me, when I pull in a witness, being an HR person, it's a little bit easier, I think, to just kind of have that one-on-one conversation because especially once you create a rapport and a standard of practice and excellence, you know, you become a more trusted partner and your reputation is clear. So when you're having those conversations, you know, if something goes awry, you know, your word and the employee's word will hopefully have some similarities, but anywhere there's a difference, they're probably going to take your word for it. But obviously it doesn't, you know, it goes without saying, hopefully that there are things that can happen um, and there are bad eggs and bad, bad apples out there, right? So um, it's not to say that every uh, every person in a leadership role is going to do the right thing. Obviously, we've talked about this. But if you are, you know, one of the good guys, so to speak, and you're doing the right things, then you probably are going to have more of those one-on-one conversations without too much concern. But I am speaking from experience when I say that I have absolutely leveraged bringing witnesses into conversations many times, and it is a good strategy. So with that, if you have any questions regarding um, recording conversations, witnesses, you know, anything that that kind of relates to that employee experience, human experience, etc., or even HR policies, let me know. I know that it's a bit vague in the approach, but really my, my message to you all is to always focus on bringing back, bringing the employee back to what the values of your organization are. Are the values encouraging recording and not having open conversations and trusting one another and asking for email um, documentation or bringing in a witness? Or is the recording, you know, going to actually benefit the culture? In most cases, a recording is not going to benefit the culture. It's not going to add value. And it's only going to further uh, cause a rift and a divide in the dynamic between those people. So take that with you. I hope that, you know, you definitely make your own decisions with this um, and let me know if you have any thoughts or feedback on that. I wanted to move aside the recording conversation and answer a question that was um, sent to me in my DMs last week. And the question was, how do you bring your best self to work? And I think that I've answered this before. I don't know if I've answered it on a podcast episode or if I've answered it on Instagram Live or whatnot, but I thought it would be helpful to answer that because I think as we close out this year, we're approaching 2022 at this point, which is insane. You know, I'm doing a lot of reflection, especially if I've shifted in jobs, and I know many of you have as well, and we probably have asked ourselves this a million times, how do we bring our best selves to work? Am I being my best self? Am I doing my best work? And I think for me, bringing my best self to work is making sure that I'm in the environment that allows me 
to bring my best self to work. So if you have been thinking about making a change or, you know, maybe even trying to change your mindset, let this be your call to action. Now's the time to do it. Every environment has an opportunity to either, you know, give us exactly what we need or allow us the opportunity to create what we need and what we want. And so if you don't have what you need and you can create it, then that's amazing. And you should shift your mindset. You should put in the work to make the environment exactly what you need to be your best self. If you are in an environment that doesn't give you what you need and you are unable to put in the effort, maybe it's just not the right environment or you've tried to to make the changes to make it what you need, then maybe it's time for you to make a change so that you can, again, bring your best self to work. Life is way too short to bring our worst selves to work. And actually, I don't want to interact with your worst self. So I'm sure your coworkers don't want to interact with your worst self. So put your best foot forward, shift your mindset. And I hope that in January, when we start to think about like what we're going to do for the new year, how we're going to grow and expand and you know be our best selves, that we take that with us. And speaking of 2022, I do have a lot of exciting things coming up and I'm keeping this episode a bit shorter because I'm actually setting the tone for the rest of December. My December episodes, unless something crazy happens, are going to be somewhat like micro episodes. They're going to be quick like this. And I know I mentioned it in the beginning, um, but I want to mention it again that, you know, really this 18 to 20 minute mark is going to be the sweet spot because, you know, we all have a lot going on. I want you to get as much information as possible, even through the holidays. And, you know, for me, I think having a little bit of the extra time, even if it's only 15 minutes, will allow me to really think about 2022 and the content that I'm giving you. So for December, we're going to have some holiday episodes, some short and sweet content. And if you follow me on Instagram, you will definitely get some additional content with the time savings that I am generating from the podcast. I'm giving back to you on Instagram as well. So if you haven't yet, go ahead and follow me on at HR Tracy, and I will see you next week.